Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Last Sunday we started this series of messages and we're, we're looking at our perspective on money and possessions. How do we adopt the right perspective in relation to money and possessions. And last week we looked at the starting point of this is really the heart. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 6.21. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So our heart, we find out, follows our treasure around. So as I move resources towards possessions that are earthly possessions, my heart is following that investment of, of money. Your heart does the same thing. Anytime you spend money on anything, your heart... It just follows it along. We illustrated this last week with having a heart-shaped helium balloon, and attached to the string was a $100 bill. And we were just showing how as we move our resources towards different things, uh, whether it's possessions or whether it's people or whether it's God's kingdom, uh, our heart is just following along our treasure. It's an important uh, perspective to, to understand as we see ourselves using money every single day and having possessions around us all of the time. And so this is really a perspective-shaping series. And so today we're going to look at generosity. And when you think of generous people, maybe think for a moment, who comes to your mind? Maybe who's the most generous person you have personally known? Don't say it out loud. But who is, who is the most generous person you've ever known? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, maybe it's not a relative, maybe it's someone outside of your family, but just somebody that has been extremely generous to you. And you might even think, I don't know what motivates them, but these people just are so generous. For me, there was a family, their names were the Jacksons, and the, it was Jim and Grace Jackson. He was a retired firefighter from the city of Long Beach, and he retired and moved to Arroyo Grande, which is where I was. I went to high school in Arroyo Grande. Was raised in the Pismo Beach area, and my family. Uh, my dad was a pastor on the coast there. Uh, my family, our grandparents lived pretty far from us, and so this family, the Jacksons, really were like step or stand-in grandparents in a sense to me. I was pretty close to them. Uh, they lived on this ranch. Uh, they had horses and. And I would work on their ranch. But one of the things I loved about them was they would invite us over and they would just create these ranch-style meals, just a big spread of food, and just ranch food. So baked potatoes and gravy and corn. And she would make this, and I've talked about this before, but I'm going to tell you again about it if you've never been here. Uh, she would make this steamed cauliflower with a can of cream of mushroom soup steamed over it. Oh, so good. And it's lunchtime, so I'm like, oh, this is our third service. So I'm really hungry at this point. <laughs> but, but then she'd bring out the meats, and she would have like eight to ten portions. She'd just scoop it on your plate. When I was younger, she'd walk up to me, and she'd, she'd just pat me on the back, and she'd, she'd, she'd sort of poke in my belly, and she'd say, oh, there's a little more room in there. And she'd scoop some more food on my plate. And she would hardly eat anything, and uh, she would just sort of sit there and smile and just look at everybody around the table. And... Uh, she was generous with her with her food and with their belongings. Uh, there were points where my my parents they would run their cars to the very end. It would break down, and, and I'd come home from school, and there'd be this new car that the Jacksons would provide, and they just took care twice. I remember them buying cars for my folks, 
and I just remember, man, what makes them so generous to, to do this to our family? They were, they were, they were like those grandparents that, um, you know, I, I would just, even after I got married, they started doing this to my wife and I. They were just generous with us. You, you know, where does that come from? You probably have some people in your own life that have been generous to you, and you would say, well, I don't, nothing explains why they would have done this. There's people in our church that are generous. They're known to be generous. Uh, and outside of our church, you probably heard names or seen faces like, here's a couple of very charitable individuals. This is uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Forbes magazine lists the 400 most charitable, and they're at the top. Now, they're some of the wealthiest men in the world, but they're also the most charitable men in the world. So as resources come into their life, they're, they're like a conduit, and they're, they're, they're generous. Uh, I don't know if they miss the billions that they give away because they have billions still. Uh, <laughs> uh, but their giving makes quite a difference around the world. The people, the causes that they benefit, it makes a huge difference as they're generous. A lot has been entrusted to them, and they see that as an opportunity to pass that on. Uh, but there's, there's one that's even greater and far more generous. We've already sung about him this morning, and it is our great God. He is, God is the first and the most generous of all givers. He's the first and the most generous. I invite you to take this listening guide. We're going to trace through the pages of Scripture this morning, God's generosity. God has been so generous, so kind, so giving. On the back of this uh, listening guide, you can follow along, fill in some of the blanks. I'm going to bullet out some of the ways that we experience God's generosity through this message. But on the back, you'll notice it says, blessings you've received. And I would encourage you, to get specific, as God brings to your mind, as we walk through this outline, anything specific, write down names of people or experiences you've had or things that you have that you'd say, wow, that was a blessing of God. And, and note that on here because at the end of our uh, time together, we're going to sing or we're going to pray and just thank God. We're going to take some time to praise God for his generosity. And so it'll help if you're, if you're thinking and engaging and then responding throughout the service. So let's look at some of the ways that we see God's generosity in the pages of Scripture. First, he's the creator of the world. That's the first bullet there. He's the creator of the world. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, we see the days of creation in the very beginning. And it's really hard for us. We struggle to really wrap our minds around this category. We struggle to understand God's generosity. But look at what the, what the Bible records from the very beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there's darkness. And then God said in verse three, let there be light. And there was light. He speaks and at his command, the light appears. And, and on and on through the days of creation, we see God's power to create. We see his generosity displayed in all that he's made. Everything that we see around the world, you know, that, that God has made, it's, it's him describing who he is, his character, his splendor, as he has sort of, as he's showing us his, his handiwork through the days of creation. Let's look at a few specifics. Look from verse 11, in Genesis 1:11. you see this is day three. So after he creates land, water, in day three it says in verse 11, Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. So he starts making plant life. And think about the variety of plant life. 
I mean, it's amazing. Here's just a picture. You can't really get, and if we were able to bring the lights down, you could see some more of the brilliance of some of these plants, the poppies, the cactus, these beautiful trees, in sort of that misty rainforest environment. If you've never been to UCR's Botanical Gardens, uh, check it out. You can walk through there and, and just enjoy some of the sampling of the plants and the trees that God has made. This is this speaks to his um, creativity. Day, day four in creation, verse 16, it says that God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day, we know that that's the sun. The lesser light to govern the night, that's the moon. Then it says, he also made the stars. A real brief statement in the Bible. He also made the stars. Oh yeah, he also made the stars. Like that's some simple task. (laughs) Then it says, God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. Now, here's a picture of, of the universe. I mean, again, you can't really take it in because the light's in here. And, and honestly, when you're, it's hard to see it in Southern California because of how much light there is in our, in our area. It's hard to enjoy the beauty of the heavens and seeing the, the skies above. Uh, but in the universe, there are ten times more stars in the known universe than the grains of sand over the entire earth. There, there are ten times more stars in the known universe than grains of sand over the entire earth. I mean, have you ever just scooped up some dry sand and tried to figure out how many grains of sand in your... I mean, it's, it's how many... I mean, that's, that's amazing. Try to get your mind around that. Ten times more stars than all the grains of sand over the entire earth. Or our, our, our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is 100,000 light years in diameter. I can't get my mind around that. 100,000 light years. Like, how far is that? Well, our fastest spacecraft would take 18,000 years to travel one light year. And our galaxy is 100,000 light years in diameter. And just the vastness of, of the universe that God has made, that's God's handiwork. That's God's speaks to God's power, his his ability, his might, his creativity. And you see it. I mean, it's, it's why when I go to the mountains and the lights are off and when I'm in the desert and I look up and I'm just, it's amazing. You could just sit there for hours and watch shooting stars because you, you miss it sometimes. Look at day five, verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God, and it says that God saw that it was good. Now, in the sea, there's this variety of what God is creation, but most of us will never know it's there because we don't, you know, scuba dive. We don't go down to the depths. Here's a picture of something very colorful. It's a sea slug. It's pretty, huh? It's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's all the variety and the color in that sea slug. It's still a slug. Did you know there are 3,000 species of sea slugs? 3,000 species of sea slugs. There are these tiny little slugs. They're incredibly colorful. They're like peacocks, mini peacocks of the sea, except they're, they're gross because they're slugs. <laughs> and no one will ever see them because they crawl on the ocean floor. There's no purpose to them being so colorful other than God is the creator of them. And when he creates, it's stupendous. I mean, it is it's majestic. It's creative. If we made slugs, we would make 
one slug. And it'd be one color. Gray. <laughs> That's a slug. We don't need more of them. There it is. But when God makes things, he outdoes himself. And to us, the whole beauty of a slug may not matter, but God cares. God is so creative. Here's another picture. This is something called a diatom. These are microscopic algae that float in the ocean. And this is under the lens of a powerful telescope or microscope. You can see the detail of, this, of these algae. There are 20,000 to 2 million species of diatoms. Such a wide variety. Sort of looks like you're looking through a kaleidoscope or looking at stained glass. God made all this variety for something so small that we'll never see except from if maybe we can you know, grab a powerful microscope and, and take this in for ourselves. Why would God do that? Why would God be so intentional in creating something so beautiful that may, have, may never be seen? Well, it's because God is generous whether we notice it or not. He's so generous. And on and on. Look at verse 24. This is day six. It says, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. And so God starts making things, animals, creepy crawly things. Here's some of those creepy crawly things. A praying mantis, this is like a little potato beetle, some sort of a spider. Most of these things we want outside of our house. We don't want them in our house. I'd be okay with a butterfly coming in once in a while and then exiting at the right time. I don't want it fluttering around my head when I'm trying to sleep. But there's all this variety. Even with all of these, we could probably just show slides and slides and slides of the variety of just these. That beetle especially. Here's a slide of, of beetles. Just a variety of beetles. Wow. Did you know there are 350,000 species of beetles? <laughs> 350,000 species of beetles. If you were God, how many beetles would you make? <laughs> One. A guy in last service said, none. <laughs> Maybe ten. You know, I'd be like, okay, we got the polka dotted guy. Got the striped one. Got the lightning bolt one. That's a cool one. Send that down. Uh, got the half and halfer. Got the chevron. Uh, you know, big stripe, small stripe one. Two dot one, three dot one. Four. I mean, I could get, you know, different colors. No, God made 350,000 species of beetles. That's just what is, that's an estimate. <laughs> it's a generous estimate. If you were God, how many would you make? When God provides, he, he does more than we can conceive of. Because God doesn't have the limitations that you and I have. He doesn't have the time limitations. He doesn't have the resource limitations. He doesn't have the creativity challenges. <laughs> what an amazing world that God has made. I've asked Janelle Lanier to join me up here on stage. And Janelle has been a part of OCC for about the life of this church. had the privilege of performing the wedding ceremony for uh, uh, Janelle and her husband, Eric, uh, probably four years ago. And they, they have two kids. And so I've asked her to share about the, this aspect of, of God's generosity, his creation. And, and, and how, does this, 
How has she seen this in her life? Um, so I love being outside. I think being outdoors is relaxing and refreshing. But the older that I get and the more responsibility that I take on in life, the less I notice it and the more I just focus on my tasks. So I'm going from, you know, this meeting to an, another errand to an activity, and I'm not noticing my surroundings. However, um, my three-year-old, that's him up on the screen, um, notices everything. From the moment we step outside the front door, he's counting the ants on the sidewalk. He's mm. commenting on the color of the sky and the clouds. Look at that, Mom. It's so cool. It's so pretty. Um, and the picture on the top left is actually um, we were at a shopping center, and he wanted to stop and watch a butterfly. Mm. Um, every time we see a butterfly, we all have to stop and watch where it goes. And he's watching it dart between the flowers, and he's laughing when it flies by his face. Um, and I have to fight looking at my watch like, okay, it's time to go. There's another butterfly. Yes, we've seen, we've seen these before. Um, I've had to educate myself on species of bugs, even though that slide of beetles made me kind of cringe, um, and animal habitats because he's constantly asking questions. Um, he's interested in everything, and everything is new to him. So also as a result of this, um, I've noticed myself, um, even though I do fight the tendency to stare at my watch and move on to the next thing, I have um, found myself stopping even when he's not with me to notice um, the butterfly and watch where it goes, um, to, to pay attention to the breeze on a nice day, um, to notice the sunset, even if it's, you know, not the really pretty ones that everyone posts on Instagram. I'm, like, paying attention more every day to those things because we're talking about it, and he's, he's making me pay attention to God's creation around me, and I'm really grateful. It makes me grateful for the uniqueness that Josh was talking about and just the beauty that God has put in the world that we get to enjoy. That's right. Great. Thanks, Janelle. Now, here's another aspect of God's generosity. The second bullet here is this, that he is not only the creator of the world, but he's the giver of human life and relationships. He's the creator, but he's the giver of human life and relationships. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. See, in Genesis 1, you learn that God made man in our image, in, in his image, in his likeness. But then in Genesis 2, we kind of zoom in and see how this happened. In verse 7, it says that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. I mean, that's hard to get my mind around this. God forms man from the dust of the ground. You know, he fashions man. And then it says... He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and this man became a living being. This is Adam. God breathed life. He's the giver of life. At the very beginning of life, we, we get to see this. If you've seen a baby, a newborn baby, you see this miracle of life. I remember at the birth of my firstborn son, being able to just hold him in my hand and just be amazed and sort of captivated at every movement, every breath, every smirk, every, every you know, just like, wow, this is amazing. I was totally amazed at this little guy. Now this little guy is just about 16 years old. Can't hold him in my palm anymore. <laughs> and it happened so quick. He, you know, now he's a young man. And what a joy to have watched him grow up. But you see, God is the giver of life. God gave that life. 
And at the end of life, I've sat with, with families, I've sat with people in our congregation in their final days or the final days or hours or moments with their loved ones as they pass into eternity. And it's amazing to see how the giver of life brings comfort and help as they move into eternal life. It's, it's, God spares people of the pain. We don't fully understand this all. Uh, there's a song. It's, the song is Blessed Be Your Name. It's a song we've sung at different points, but there's a line in, in this worship song. It comes from a, a, a story of a man in the Bible who, who lost his children, whose children died, and he, he said, God gives, God takes away. Blessed be your name. And we sing a song about that. And the line that says, He gives and takes away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. God is the giver of life. He's the comforter in life. And, and he ushers us into eternal life. God also gives relationships. That's another point here. He's the giver of life and relationships. Look at Genesis 2.18. It says, it says of the man... The Lord, you know, put him in the garden. But in verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. You know, God could have, if he wanted to, put the man in the garden on planet Earth and just made a bunch of other inhabitable planets with a garden and done the whole creation scene in every place and put a man in every place or, you know, he could, but he didn't do that. Instead, he puts a man, and then he says, it's not good for this man to be alone. He could have just given billions of planets and people that would be their own one and only person on that planet. They could enjoy all that, but that wasn't his intention. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so God forms from one of Adam's ribs. He forms and fashions a woman who is fit for the man. And he brings relationships. Now, what would your life be like without relationships? And think about the people in your life. What would your life be like if it was just you alone? What would your life be like without friendships, without neighbors, without acquaintances, without family? So much of the joy in life comes through interactions with people, with one another. I mean, that's so much joy. Now, it's not all joy, though, right? <laughs> Some of us are like, it's been a rough season. <laughs> it, why is that? Well, it's because at a certain point in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve rebelled. Eve was deceived and Adam sinned with his eyes wide open. They, they violated a boundary line that God said not to cross, and they sinned. They took from the tree that God commanded them not to. They ate from that tree, and they sinned. And at that point, when sin entered the world, the Bible teaches that it then passed from generation to generation to generation. That's why you and I, we don't have to work hard to sin. It just comes naturally to us, doesn't it? Well, you know, we can do good things, we can do right things, we can be helpful, but it's not hard for us to be selfish, arrogant, and even at points sort of cruel to one another. Why is that? Well, it's because of sin. When sin entered the world, it got passed on, and now that's the default. And so what did God did through that, and this is really through much of the story of the Bible, you see a group of people that just could not get on track. And so God sent his son to rescue broken humanity. This is another aspect of God's generosity. He sent his son to rescue us. He saw the problem because of sin, and he sent the solution in his son Jesus. So one writer of the Bible, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 
Paul writes to the church in Turkey, For it is by grace you have been saved. The church in Ephesus, modern day Turkey. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. You and I, we couldn't save ourselves from sin. We couldn't save ourselves from the penalty and the consequences of sin. We, we try to, but we're totally unable to save ourselves through our own power and works. So Paul says, it's not by works that we're saved. It's by God's grace. He's the giver. It's the gift of God. Don't forget that, in a sense. So God gave generously. The most quoted verse in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God comes to earth in Jesus. God in the flesh. That whoever believes in Jesus, believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave it a level that we can't fully comprehend. This was deep, sacrificial love. Can you imagine the love of a father to go through what occurred there? Can you imagine watching your your son, your child, suffer in anguish as people mocked him and beat him and drove a crown of thorns into his skull and spit on him and humiliated him? I mean, the pain, the anguish. Have you ever pricked your your finger on a, a, a rose thorn? I have. Or a blackberry bush? It's painful. Jesus was whipped. He was, again, he... A crown of thorns was driven into his skull. His flesh was torn as they whipped him. Spikes were driven through his hands and his feet. He he struggled for breath. He labored and would he labored for every breath on the cross. And we can see our own sin, we can see the effects of our sin, but not everyone really stops to admit that they need a they need forgiveness in this life. They need a savior. Not everyone stops and admits that they're a sinner. And certainly not everyone says, I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of rescue. God saw the need and God stepped in to meet the need. He sent his son. So God gives life. God gives relationships. God gives a rescuer. I've asked Brad Long to to come up and share a part of his story. Uh, Brad is another person from our congregation here. And um, I've known Brad for probably five years now. And when Brad came here to OCC... He was a he was a single dad, and he came here. And then about four months after coming, uh, he met his now wife. Uh, they were I think there was a he was the coach of a, was it soccer, okay, a soccer team. And here's a picture of, of Brad and his family. And Jess was a single mom, and Brad was a single dad. They met on a soccer field. And now they're married, and they have four. <laughs> this was a, this is a recent photo. Uh, I, I had the privilege of performing their their wedding on a golf course here uh, locally, and there's a picture of his wedding. And uh, he's going to share with you briefly a little bit about his story. But not long after his marriage, his his mom passed away of cancer, and so I've asked him to uh, to share about the value of relationships, and how relationships have grown in importance after losing uh, his mom. And so this is obviously not easy for Brad to share. I'm going to chalk this one up to allergies. 
third time, I need the reminder of the question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, first, uh, tell us the sequence of like you got married and then and then you learned that your mom was sick. Yeah. Dang. Um. Yeah, we we just and I got married. Uh, you know, and uh, she's a baby Christian, just a little leaflet on a on a plant. <laughs> At that point, she'd been a Christian for maybe a year, I think, when they got married. Just a little bit of baby. My wife, my mom saw that and uh, and made it a point to to uh, pour into her growth as a wife and a, and a mom. And she went she went through the dang, the virtue virtue with uh, once again, what's that guy's name? Greg Laurie's wife. Greg Laurie's wife. <laughs> and, uh, you know, taught her to, you know, navigate the Bible, just basic stuff that I guess any mom would treat her daughter with. And uh, so um, we got married, and, and uh, the, the day after, we learned that mom had cancer and wasn't, wasn't going to make it. And it uh, didn't matter. She, my mom finished out her life pouring into my wife and give me a couple swats on the butt and saying you got this kid and uh, and then God God took my mom uh, you know and that, not how I've chosen things but uh, you know in, in place of that void uh, he gave my wife uh, a couple, couple ladies from the church who just stepped in and were remarkable Gave me some buddies from the church to lean on, and uh, yeah, not not how I would chosen it even now, you know. But uh, we talked about this, you know. God is good. He's fancy name for it. He's sovereign, right? He's outside of time. He sees what's best, despite who disagrees with him. <laughs> <laughs> ah. How, how did how did your view of life on earth shift when your mom died and passed into eternity? How did how did things really shift for the way you looked at things re- regards to life on earth? Uh, well, creation's nice. It's, it's very beautiful. It's flawed though, and I got to watch someone prepare to peek through the curtain into perfection with bravery because she had the assurance of what was to come. And she, she she won. <laughs> I made this joke. You know, we're a competitive family by nature. And we always say, like, Mom, Mom won. <laughs> she, she crossed the finish line first. I can't. Uh, can't wait to see what she sees. To look into the eyes of a assurance. How do you how do you now look at your relationships and your family life? And what what is that? How has seeing God as the giver of, of your life, your relationships, how has this even experience changed your approach to loving 
Well, <clears throat> I look at my wife in absolute amazement. God has given someone who could. Oh, she's just awesome. There's a. She's just great. And then my little babies, man. <laughs> Whew. They are a special gift, and I uh, I treasure them and my wife more than you, you could ever know. And, uh, yeah, I had more to say last service, but I just love them. They're a good gift. Thanks, Brad. Yeah. Thanks, man. You need to know that, 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 I mean, you can see that that was difficult for Brad, but he, he when I called him um, to talk, he said, you want me to talk about my, and then he couldn't get the word mom out. And uh, I just said, Brad, you don't even need to do this. And he's, he was willing to do it for the sake of sharing and, and, and if it would be an encouragement or a help to anyone. But the point here is God is the giver of life. God's the giver of relationships. How powerful, I mean, Brad's expressing something that some of you have experienced, and you, you have deep gratitude for, the, for our God who's so generous to give life. And some can identify, and some, maybe that will help you as you head into the future. Um, here, here's a few other things as we sort of head towards the end here. God also provides and cares for our physical needs. Everything you have, everything you need, God, he provides for your needs. Your needs. So one leader described it this way. He said, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. He says, I'm never in need. He basically, I'm, I'm learning to be content, regardless of the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. This man, Paul, he'd, he'd, had, he'd been in a desperate spot, but he was, he, his needs were met. He'd been in situations where he had overflow. He says, all my needs are met. I've had plenty. I've learned the secret, though, of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here it is, verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. God meets my needs. He's, he provides. He's our provider. He, and Paul writes this. He wants to help this group in this church to understand who God is. And understand they can trust in his promises. So he sort of finishes this passage with this verse, verse 19. And my God will, sub- will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God provides for us. In another place, Jesus, he's, he's teaching and he's trying to help people understand this concept of God's provision for our needs. And he points to things. He points to the lilies of the field. He points to the birds of the air. And he said, look at how beautiful these things are. And God provides for them. God provides for them. The birds and the flowers. And then Jesus says, how much more does God care about you and love you and provide for you? You can count on him. He meets your needs. Also, God is the source of every spiritual blessing. Paul, he writes this to the church in Ephesus. Let's just read it. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's just, this is a prayer of thanksgiving. Who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We've been blessed. If you're in Christ, you have dual citizenship. This is a spiritual paradox. You're living on earth, but our primary citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. You're a dual citizen. 
heaven and earth. You live here, but all of the spiritual blessings are given in Christ in the heavenly realms. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He called you by name. He knew you before the creation of the world. And it says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Adoption. That's just a powerful idea. We don't have time to get into this, but you're, you're, you're part of the family. You're, you are outside the family. Now you become part of the family. And you, get, you are able to experience uh, the resources of your father. You're a son and a daughter of God. That's powerful. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It, it all came, it came to us through the gift of his son. That's the, that was the access point is you go through Jesus, the gift of his son. In him, speaking of Jesus in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, through the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. That's an important term there. It means to shower or to provide abundantly on us with all wisdom and understanding. A source of every spiritual blessing. And then finally, we've been given this. We've been given the word of God. And we could go through the pages of scripture and just keep adding to the bullets and make pages and pages of God's generosity if we wanted to. But the word of God itself is is one of the the, the most important gifts that God has given. In a verse that, of scripture that talks about scripture... 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 it, it reads all scripture is god breathed that word means it's inspired by god god breathed it's it's breathed out from god it's inspired by god he he's the origin of all scripture but it's all important it says it's all useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness why well so that the man of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work everything i need in life everything you, you need in life. All the guidance that we're lacking, all the questions, all the answers to our questions are found here. God has spoken fully and completely to us, and he's revealed himself to us through his word. He doesn't want us to just to walk around, close our eyes, and try to sense what he wants. No, he wants us to open up his, his word, the word of God. These are the words of God given so that we could live a life under his Direction and lordship. You've got to get into this book, though. The scripture says all scripture is God breathed. So we need to get into all of this. If you're not taking the time for yourself, if you're trying to walk with God, but you're not including this, then you're missing something. It's like you're walking around without, you're walking around in the dark without a light, without a flashlight. You might bog down at points. You start getting into the Bible for yourself and you bog down in a difficult section of the Bible. Just keep moving forward. If you need someone to help you, coach you, but if you're trying to navigate through life without this, you've got to return back to this because this is our source of truth and guidance and clarity. Without it, we're, we're a mess. And what we've been saying in this message is if and when you connect with God, then you tap into the most generous one that there ever has been and ever will be, God himself. He is so generous. His resources, his provision will never run out. He never will stop being a generous God. Unlike the banks and unlike the treasury, unlike people who will run out, God will never run out. This is who he is. He's not stingy. He's so generous.
And so what else, here's the question as we wrap up, what else can we do but praise God for this generosity? And so I encourage you in the beginning to take some time to note God's generosity. And so I, flip, flip over the backside of this sheet and spend a moment and just jot down a couple either people or experiences or things that you have or insights that you've gained or just listing a few of the blessings that you have experienced because we're going to take a moment to just give you some silence so that you can pray and thank our generous God. Look at Psalm 107. This is We're told to do this. We're, we're commanded. God's people are commanded. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I want to invite our worship team to join me on the stage. And we're going to thank God because that's the only proper response in relating to someone who's been so generous to us. So let's, let's, I'll start by just getting us started in prayer and then, and then there'll be silence, just time for you to pray. You'll be, you'll be hearing music, but go ahead and keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed and just pray. Thank God in your heart and your mind. Thank Him for His generosity. Be specific with some of the things you've listed out. So let, let's pray together. Father, we, we pause right now. We don't often pause to just say thanks. And so we, we say thank you, God, for these things that you brought to our mind. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.